Joy Schwartz. And I'm Natalie Siston. We are The, the Collective, Collective Voice. Voice. We are two college friends who will talk about issues that impact professionals at work and in life. This is Joy to introduce Natalie's interview with Sabina Pires, an endurance athlete and structural engineer. For those of you who may be unaware, endurance athletes run, bike, and or swim exceptionally long distances. Here's the glossary part of our show. In case you didn't know, a marathon is just over 26 miles, and an Ironman competition includes a 2.4-mile swim, a 112-mile bike race, and a full marathon run. Again, that's 26.2 miles. And this is not her full-time job, folks. I mentioned earlier that Sabina is a structural engineer, meaning that she designs and oversees the work of civil engineers at major construction sites to ensure that their work is structurally sound. Natalie dropped some additional definitions along the way, but I wanted to offer you some context before you hear about this amazing woman and her athletic and professional accomplishments. When I self-reflect, as a non-athlete, someone who exercises mainly to relieve stress and avoid buying larger clothes, I was so moved to move more intentionally after listening to this interview. Here we go. Welcome to episode 18 of The Collective Voice. I am excited to welcome Sabina Pires to The Collective Voice. Sabina is a structural engineer by day and elite endurance athlete by early morning, evening, night, weekend, and other times in between. More importantly, Sabina is also my cousin. Specifically, she's my husband's first cousin's daughter. So I guess Sabina technically were cousins-in-law twice removed or something like that. Uh, Those listeners who are good at genealogy can sort that out for us. So I've known Sabina since she was in middle school, and it's been amazing to see how far she's come and how much she has accomplished. Just to hear, here's just a short little brag list for her. So Sabina has qualified for the 2016 Olympic trials for the marathon. She recently was the first place American at the Paris Marathon. And she's qualified for the Ironman World Championships in Kona, which is commencing this October in Hawaii. So the funny thing about all this is that you weren't raised as an endurance athlete, right, Sabina? No, I actually grew up doing martial arts and dance. Um, It wasn't until late into college that I realized that running and cycling were really great outlets for stress from school. And so not until I would say my senior year of undergrad did I really start running. Um, And, you know, I danced a little bit in college, but I never imagined that I would be running marathons. I mean, I would run a mile and, you know, feel like I was having a cardiac arrest. So So what was the moment that you knew that you were naturally talented at the endurance athletic activity? Because I'm assuming you got over that one mile hurdle pretty quickly. Yeah, eventually. It took took some time. But um, I'd probably say that I realized that distance running and just long distance athletics was my thing when I ran my first marathon in Kauai and I trained myself. I wasn't training with a team or a coach and I ended up getting fourth overall female and winning my age group and then qualifying for Boston. And that's when I realized I was like, wow, like I love running marathons. Like that was a blast. You know, now I, 
I don't say that so much. Well, it, it is fun running marathons, but it's, it's painful. <laughs> the faster you get, the more painful it gets. But it, it, I really do love it. I love the journey of getting to the start line and just the race itself. So take me a little bit into a day in the life for you. So I did mention in your intro that you're an engineer. That's how, that's your educational background. So how does the how does the endurance athleticism fit in with the engineer in you as well? So my alarm goes off every morning at four thirty, and I make coffee. Every morning, I have to make coffee, and I do a crossword puzzle, and then I'm out the door usually by 5.30, and I'll either swim or run um, for about an hour, hour and a half, and then I'm at work by 8 a.m. You know, I work till 5, like most people should, um, <laughs> and then I'm usually, I'll do another workout um, in the evening um, after work, and then I get home by 7.30 usually, and I have dinner, I stretch, and I, you know, do my recovery routine and I'm in bed by seven o'clock or by not seven, by nine o'clock and, you know, it's on repeat every day. (laughs) Wow. So what's, what's the biggest thing that you appreciate about the discipline you have to put in to make this life happen for you? So for me, it's, if, if I don't get up in the morning or if I can't motivate myself in the morning, I usually just can't get the amount of training that I need to get in. You know, an hour after work, as much as I, for any average folk, an hour hour of exercise after work is plenty fine. But when you're training for, say, an Ironman or marathon, you need to put in those extra hours. Not necessarily every single day, but the majority of the week. And so when I get, when my alarm goes off in the morning, I tell myself, if I don't do this workout now, I physically cannot do it because I have to go to work, you know, later, any other time today. So that is really um, a huge motivation. And it also helps just having teammates who also have jobs and careers and, you know, are doctors and lawyers. Um, Some of them are, you know, finishing up their PhDs. And we all make a point to like meet in the mornings at 6am for, you know, run workouts or swim workouts. So having that extra motivation and, and, you know, reliability, we rely on each other to show up and and push each other through these workouts. So it's great. It's a great feeling by 7am having done a really hard workout. Um, One of my girlfriends, she's in med school and she is incredible. She gets up at four in the morning every day and is out the door by 4.20 so that she can be at the hospital at work by 6 a.m. And so one morning I decided to join her. So I met up with her at 4.20 and I got 10 miles done, got home, showered, made breakfast, and it was only 6 a.m. I'm like, wow, I feel like I've accomplished so much. (laughs) And it's only 6 in the morning. Wow, so discipline is huge in your journey for uh, doing what you do day in, day out. I want to. I want our listeners to hear a couple stories from you because I am lucky to hear them either through you or through your mom or through my husband. And I know you've got some pretty amazing stories of things that have happened to you along this journey. So aside from that first fourth place marathon finish, what are some of the highlights of this journey that you've been on so far? Um, so I went back a few years after and re-ran the Kauai Marathon and I ended up winning it. Um, and that was just fantastic. It was probably one of the hardest races of my life. It was, 
90 degrees, very humid, and I thought I had these big Hawaiian men catch me at the finish line, almost like Shalane at the Olympic trials. Um, so that was great. But what really was the highlight of just my endurance athletic career was qualifying for the Olympic trials. I, my PR going into the Olympic trials was a 251 marathon and I had to, um, run a 243 to qualify. So I trained my butt off. I never worked so hard. I drank these recovery teas every night that tasted like witchcraft, but I did it, you know, turmeric and ginger and lemon and I mean, I completely changed my diet. I changed my lifestyle. I really, every day, all I thought about was that goal. And I knew how badly I wanted it. And so many people, you know, kind of were a little bit discouraging. Like, wow, that's a, that's a lot of time to cut um, from your PR. You know, that's um, eight minutes in a marathon. That's a lot. And so I ended up doing it. I ran a 243 and I got to run at the Olympic trials. And that's when I realized if you can tell yourself that you can do it, you can do it. There's nothing holding yourself back. You yourself are your biggest enemy. So that's when I realized if I put my mind to it, I can do anything. So this kind of leads to the next thing that happened in my life. So two weeks after the Olympic trials, I was biking and a car um, kind of threw me off my, kind of cut me off and threw me off my bike and I was in a, in a triathlon bike and so the aero bar went right into my quad and for you know six to nine months I it hurt to walk um it, I absolutely couldn't run I was too scared to bike you know I couldn't kick when I was swimming I was I felt like I had lost everything but knowing me, you know, I'm so used to working out twice a day, you know, and just always maintaining this fitness. I found a means and method to exercise and just keep some kind of, you know, aerobic, just some kind of fitness through this injury. And, you know, no one can figure out why I still couldn't run, you know, what was wrong with my quad. And so that was frustrating in and itself. But, you know, I told myself, you know, are you injured or are you hurt? And that was, that was the hardest part. Um, just kind of figuring out the difference between the two and, and pushing, how much can I really push myself in endurance? And I had signed up for an Ironman, um, the following up that was supposed to take place the following October. And this entire time, not only could I walk, I absolutely couldn't run or bike or swim. And so it was just, in and itself just very discouraging knowing that I'm going to be competing in an Ironman. Hopefully I can get to that start line. And right now I'm not getting any training in. So, um, I did everything I could. I told myself, you know, there's people out there who are able to stay very healthy and very in good shape and don't do the amount of intense exercise that I'm used to doing. So I did what I could. And, you know, I really, it was a lot of just self encouragement just to tell myself yes you can do this you can do this iron man and it's going to take baby steps you know there was a lot of praying involved you know I really wanted to get to that start line and so I've never worked so hard because finally the last few months leading up to the iron man I was finally able to do you know some running but I had to wear a knee brace I was able to finally start biking again and then I was able to swim. I just had to be careful not to kick too much because it would irritate my leg. 
Um, but I came down to the day of the Ironman and I really surprised myself. I, I didn't even know if I could run the marathon. You know, I could barely run eight miles without having to stop with, you know, tremendous pain in my leg. And I ended up getting um, second overall in the Ironman, female overall and qualifying for Kona. And I ran a 3.05 marathon off the bike, which I was just, I didn't even know if I could run. And so to me, that was just, you know, it was a lot of, I, I had to tell myself, yes, you can do this. You absolutely can do this. If I had any doubt going into that race, there's no way I wouldn't have, I would have even gone to that start line. So I'm really a big believer that you are, you know, you are the only person that holds yourself back, you know, and you, there's going to be challenges, you know, to get to your goals. And it's just, how are you going to approach those challenges? You know, how are you going to, how are you going to tackle them? You know, are you going to let, you know, yourself, are you going to discourage yourself? Or are you just going to say, you know, let's do it. Like I'm all in. So I just want to stop for a minute because most of our podcasts are, we're interviewing business women and entrepreneurs. So you're our first elite athlete that we've interviewed. And so I think there's a few things I just want to dissect for the listeners who might be wondering like, what's a PR and what's a 243 marathon. So, so to all our listeners, PR obviously is a, it's a personal record. So Sabina in minutes per mile, break down for us how, how fast do you run? How fast of a mile was that 305 marathon at the end of that Ironman? And how fast per mile when you qualified for um, for Boston? What what are those breakdowns? So when I qualified for the Olympic trials, um, I had to run a 243, and that's about a 613 minute per mile average. Um, a 305 is a little above a seven minute mile. That was in the marathon. That was in my Ironman. And I have to tell you, the marathon that I ran in that Ironman was the most enjoyable marathon I've ever ran. And I never thought that, you know, after biking and swimming pretty much all day in the heat and the wind, that I would enjoy a run so much as I did. And it was just, you know, having gone six months without being able to run, I was, it was just like, I felt like Forrest Gump you know, taking my leg braces off and running. It just felt amazing. And um, I enjoyed like every step and every mile of that run knowing that, wow, I can't believe I'm doing this. I worked so hard. Everyone knew how hard I worked. And so, yeah. And I think too, because I got to see the extent of your injuries in terms of the the MRIs or x-rays that my, you know, crazy husband wanted to look at, um, what other people might have missed is that the aero bar, so the fancy handlebars that go on a tri bike, actually pierced your leg. So you right. you had a a hole and or puncture in your leg prior to this amazing athletic feat. Yeah, I still have it. I had a contusion in my quad. Um, so essentially, it was the elbow pad is very sharp that normally you would rest on when you're on a triathlon bike. Um, if you're not familiar, Google, you can Google it, but it's a very thin plate that your arms rest on and it went, I ended up flipping over my bike, but the handlebar went, or the, the elbow pad plate went right into my quad and I still have a scar there and a, and a bump, but 
I had about a 13 inch long bruise on my quad for, you know, I want to say like five months and just touching it was painful. Um, sitting and having my knee bent was painful. Walking was painful, but you know what? I didn't let that injury define who I was. In fact, um, I ended up, you know, hiking Mount Whitney, um, in, in excruciating pain, but I still did it. Um, I actually, I hiked across the Grand Canyon. It was a bucket list item for me that I had been planning to do, you know, way prior to my injury. And I was like, you know what? I'm not going to let this injury, you know, set me back from, you know, my bucket list items. Like I'm still going to do it. Yeah. I might have to take some Advil along the way, but I still did it. And what's funny is my friend that I, I did this hike with, he was amazed. He was like, Sabina, you did not sit down once the entire hike across the Grand Canyon. And little did he know that if I sat down, I was going to be in too much pain to stand back up. But I did the entire hike and didn't sit down once. And it was the most amazing day of my life. And I'm so glad I did it. And I didn't let my leg hurting hold me back. Like it is a memory I'm always going to have for the rest of my life. It was, I love hiking. I love being outside. And being injured isn't going to stop me from doing that. I'm still going to do it um, regardless. And it's just these life memories. I, you know, you could, something could happen to you tomorrow and you can miss out and you can't let setbacks, you know, in your day-to-day life really hold you back. You know, it's, it's up to you if you want to live life to the fullest. And that's really what I learned from this injury. And like my physical therapist told me, he was like, you know, now's the time to start getting some new hobbies. So I bought a crock pot and I really became uh, really interested in just nutrition in general. And I started making my own bone broth, you know, I would, I would have bone broth cooking in my house for 48 hours. And I, I mean, I don't know, I can't, I don't know if I can accredit it to like the healing process, but I just, I started, you know, just gaining new hobbies and knowing that there's more to life than just training. There is more to life than just running. I can't let running define who I am. You know, you can't let your job define who you are because when you do have failures or you do have setbacks, you know, if that was the only thing that defined who you were, it will, it it could demoralize you. And that's what I tell everyone, you know, when they're having, you know, just kind of a low moment, it's say work or in their endurance, you know, you, you can't let that define who you are. You are going to have setbacks. You're going to have bad days at work and it's okay, you know, but you can't let it define who you are. You're going to have, you know, arguments with friends. You're going to have arguments with family members. You know, it's okay to have disagreements, but you know, you can't let those things defeat who you are. You know, life is going to have its ups and downs, but always know that there's always an up, you know, there always will be an up. And I'm a huge believer that everything happens for a reason. And I think that this bike accident was almost a blessing in disguise. It kind of made me sit back and I really focused on my career. You know, I I think I really pushed myself in my job to learn more. I, you know, was able to spend more time with friends. I was so committed to, you know, training that I felt like I almost put a stop to my social life. You know, I started drinking more wine again. You know, I started cooking more around the house and I started, you know, becoming much more involved in, you know, community service and just getting to know people and, you know, catching up with people. And so it really was almost a blessing in disguise. And, you know, everything worked out at the end. 
you work hard, everything will work out. So, And we will be thinking of you in October when you're in Kona. And I feel like that's the one triathlon that's always televised and on TV. But usually they air it in December. So for those listeners, when... When you see that Kona Ironman come onto television, make sure you watch it because you'll have to look out for Sabina to see where she is among all of the competitors. Hey, maybe you'll even get to be one of their featured stories. That would be cool. <laughs> so I did not know about the, the bone broth in the crock pot. I thought you were going to say that you started baking cupcakes or something, which would be more appealing to me. I, I have no self-control. I would eat all the cupcakes. <laughs> I didn't say I wouldn't eat all the cupcakes either. I mean, I think you you burn a few more calories in a day than most normal people to be able to handle the extra cupcake or two. (laughs) So let's shift just for a second. So the journey you've been on is really amazing. So I want our audience to be able to take some lessons from that. So for our listeners who don't aspire to compete in an Ironman, what advice do you have for them to get started in something like an endurance athletic event? or perhaps for the listeners who are simply looking to take their fitness to the uh, next level. What's your advice? I started running, you know, I realized I wasn't, you know, I never thought in a million years I would do even a half marathon or 5k. So, I mean, I really just did it for fun. I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't help that I live in San Diego and running is just beautiful every day. And, you know, just Go for fun, you know, don't bring a watch, you know, just if you want to listen to music, listen to some good tunes and, and just do it for fun. Enjoy it. You know, recreational running is a great thing. And if you need to walk, walk. Every day is going to get easier and easier. Everyone always tells me, how do you run? I feel like I'm having, you know, I feel like my breath is short and it's I'm struggling and it's like eventually you'll get there, you know, and I have to say, when I got injured and I started running again, I had a really tough time just doing two miles. I had to stop after two miles and take a breath and maybe stretch a little and then keep going. I was so used to being able to run, you know, full marathons without stopping. But, you know, it's all a process. And there are baby steps that you have to take. And whenever I decide to take a break from, you know, running a lot or if I get a a little injury, a little setback, I know that it's going to be a process, but eventually it'll all come back. Um, so my advice would be if you do want to start taking up, you know, endurance sports and start running more, say you want to run your first 5k or your first turkey trot, um, just take it baby steps by baby steps, you know, just run as far as you can one day. And if you need to walk, walk and just, you know, every day you will get farther and farther and you'll really surprise yourself. You know, it takes a few weeks to kind of get your body used to running and the motions and your you know, the muscles, you know, are going to be like, whoa, what's going on? But eventually it'll become muscle memory and it's going to become fun. The easier it gets, the more enjoyable it gets, I promise. So, but I think the key is, is to go into it, just enjoying it. It's a beautiful day outside, you know, go watch the sunrise, watch the sunset on your run, go run to a beautiful view, Um, run with friends. I, I find that running with girlfriends, we're all so busy with work, but when I run with girlfriends, we catch up. I mean, we have, you know, 12 miles of catching up to do. It's absolutely great. You know, that's almost 90 minutes of like, you know, instead of going out to lunch, we just run in the morning and I find that with the local houses. So it really is. You can make it a social event. You can make it um, for stress. You can make it for fun. Um, you do what you want with it. If you have dogs, 
you know, kill two birds with one stone. So I think that's all really good advice. And I'm thinking of the other entrepreneurs we've um, interviewed and it's it's advice that's similar to people who start their own business have talked about because what I'm hearing you say is you just have to start somewhere and you have to make it fun and it will get easier you'll have a setback but get back on the horse I feel like that's very similar to what we hear from even entrepreneurs so I think the lessons that you give us here are really applicable both for our physical selves and also for our business selves and our mental selves. So thank you for that good advice. So how, speaking of that, how do you apply to what you've learned competing in endurance athletic events to the rest of your life? I would say the big thing is, it, you know, you are the only person that's going to hold yourself back. You know, if you want to accomplish anything in life, you know, it, it's going to take yourself knowing that that is, you know, you need to tell yourself that you can do that. And, um, I mean, I know you had mentioned that I'm a structural engineer, so I design bridges at work. And with designing and engineering, there's no right or wrong answer necessarily. There's definitely a very incorrect answer, but there's no right or wrong answer. And so you need to, with my job, I have to be able to convince myself that the process of the design that I'm doing is, you know, is correct and I need to be able to convince, you know, my boss, my reviewers, my peers that it's also correct. And so just having that self-courage um, and not having doubt in yourself is important in my career. Um, I need to be able to convince, you know, my client that what I'm doing, what my design that I'm proposing is is good. It's feasible. You know, it's economical. Um, it's not going to fall down, <laughs> essentially. So the client doesn't want a structure that's going to fall Right. But so just having that, you know, that self, not having that self-doubt, it's very important. Um, but also just, I think running in the morning or swimming or even just going to yoga in the morning before work, I feel like my mind is clear. I go into work and I just, I feel fresh, you know, I don't know about you, but I work in an office and I'm sitting at work, you know, sometimes eight to nine hours a day. And if I'm busy, that time goes by very, very quickly. And who knows how much I really stood up and got moving and just being able to just, you know, get outside before work, even just go for a walk during lunch or just doing something after work. It's so good for you. Um, it's not healthy to be sitting all day at work. And I try to stand a lot at work at a stand up desk, but I think that I think so much better and I'm way more efficient at work when I get a little bit of exercise in in the morning you know it doesn't have to be every morning but I definitely do notice a difference you know when you exercise I think your mind is just you have better stamina not just in athletics and in life but also at work it really does translate that's really good to hear um because I I know that I started meditating I'm not a regular meditator, but off and on, and it definitely has the sense of clarity, and if I do that in the morning before work, I do, it, problems don't seem as big, perhaps, and uh, challenges seem a little easier to solve, so that's your exercise is your antidote for that as well. Uh, so I know that you've got a, some few big changes coming up, you know, aside from training for, for Kona. Um, so you got some big changes coming up in your life. Do you care to fill our audience in on what's going on next for you? So 
I just accepted a job in New Zealand, also bridge engineering. So I will be moving there in, in June um, for a new job opportunity. And I'm just really excited. Uh, new Zealand is one of those places that I've always wanted to live. And I'm 27 years old. And, you know, right now is the time to do it. And, it, you know, it's going to be a very fresh new start. I know absolutely no one in New Zealand. Um, I have no idea where I'm going to live yet, but I'm really excited. I'm a little, I was nervous at first, but I'm just really excited. New Zealand is beautiful. There's going to be just so much, uh, just taking in the culture and there's, you know, a very great work-life balance there and athleticism is very much encouraged and everyone is very active and I love that. Um, just being surrounded by other people that like to just go out and go hiking and uh, um, I love being out in nature and running and so this is, I think this is going to be a great change for me. I'm really excited. So New Zealand, that is, that is far, but I know my family and I are like, if this is a reason for us to go to New Zealand, perhaps (laughs) no better time than now, right? Right. So what, so going to New Zealand, doing all the things you do, there seems to be some inherent risk involved in, in this um, life that you're leading. So what advice do you have for our listeners when it comes to taking risks? You know, taking risks is just part of life. You know, you're never going to know if, you know, it could turn out good and it could turn out bad. But, I mean, you'll never know unless you try. So just like, you know, there's no harm in never asking. It, it kind of it goes, it's the same as saying, you know, there's no harm in asking. You know, everything seems so far to have worked out really well. And this is something you've, I've always wanted. And doing anything is going to have risks. Going to a new company is going to have risks. Whether or not it was, if it's in the same city you're in or not. Buying a home always has risks. Everything always has risks. You just can't be scared. You have to know what do you want. You know, you have one life. You need to really make the best of it. And I don't want to, I've learned not to skip out on opportunities. I try to say uh, no as little as, as possible because I, I want it, I want it, you know, if I'm too shy or if I'm too scared to do something, I'll never know if it really was fun to do that. And I've had experiences and taken trips and, and done activities that I never thought I would do because someone else convinced me to do it. And it was just saying yes. That's all it takes is saying yes to really just live and experience life. And um, I moved to San Diego for college and I've lived here for 10 years. So my entire adult life has been in San Diego. And one of the other reasons why I'm really excited to move to New Zealand is I'm going to get to live in a place and just absorb a different type of culture, different, you know, different type of people almost. You know, the San Diego, you know, people here in San Diego, they're very laid back. We all wear flip-flops 12 months out of the year. It's a very interesting lifestyle. You know, no one commutes. Um, very different from the Bay Area where I grew up. So one thing about moving to New Zealand is now I get to experience and get to be integrated in a completely new culture. Um, so, and, you know, here everyone spends the weekends watching football. There, I don't even know the first thing about rugby. So that's exciting in and itself. So um, I think it's, it's very important, you know, if you want to grow as a person, you need to, you need to travel. You need to meet people. 
you know, you can't be stuck in a little bubble. And to me, I really wanted to live out. I wanted to move out of San Diego, um, but it's hard to leave San Diego. It's so beautiful here. So, you know, you have to go somewhere either same or better. So New Zealand it is, you know. Um, so I think it's really important just for self-development to travel. You know, that's why college students, you know, study abroad. It's absolutely great. You get to learn about new cultures and, you know, it's the people aren't going to be the same across the world and you need to learn how to adapt to other cultures and other types of people and you can really learn from it so that's excellent I'm so excited to uh, see your Instagram feed now that you're going to be moving not that looking at San Diego is all that terrible right now either but uh, clearly the other side of, of the planet that's amazing so before we leave our audience with where they can find you and how to follow you what would you sum up as the main lesson that we can learn from your story? I would say the main lesson is, you know, you can do anything. If you tell yourself you can do it, you can do it. There is, you know, my mom always told me, she was like, I raised a strong daughter that can have whatever she wants in life. And that didn't mean, you know, I can purchase anything I want in life. That's not what she meant. What she meant was, I can accomplish whatever I want. You know, it's all what I, what the amount of effort that I want to put into it. If you really want something and you put in the effort, you will get it. And I'm a really strong believer in that. And it's true. Everything I've ever wanted in life, I have been able to accomplish. It may have been a struggle. There may have been tears involved. I may have had ups and downs. But I've always been able to accomplish anything I've wanted, everything I've wanted in life. And... You know, there's nothing holding yourself back except for you. So that's really important to know. And just because you have setbacks, that doesn't mean you can't accomplish it. Part of achieving your goals is having taking a couple steps back, but know that you will take more steps forward eventually. Wow. Wise words from a very up-and-coming 27-year-old. When you said you were 27, it took me a second because I was trying to pretend that you were 30. But no, we indeed are 10 years apart. So that's um, quite amazing everything you've accomplished in, in 27 years, Sabina. I'm really glad that you got to share a little bit of your journey here with us on The Collective Voice. So we ask our guests to close with how our listeners can find them on social media or website. So if people want to uh, keep up with you and your journey, where can they find you? Um, I'm definitely on Instagram. Um, I would say that's probably the most active. I do have a blog. Um, all they have to do is pretty much just Google my name, and it's the first thing that pops up. I haven't been very good at updating it, but I think now that I am moving across the world, I would like to keep it more up to date, you know, so my family knows, you know, what's going on, and my friends can hear about my journeys and be jealous and plan trips to come visit me, so... Um, Yes, they can just Google my name, and it's the first thing that pops up on Google, Sabina Piros, and that's also my Instagram name. So, Fantastic. Well, thank you for joining the podcast, and we can't wait to see how you do at Kona. Perfect. Thank you so much, Natalie. As Natalie would say, that's a wrap. Although I feel like I want to interview Sabina myself, or at least shadow her on one of her training days. What an impressive and accomplished woman. The big takeaways from this interview for me were, one, know what you want. Two, try to say no as little as possible. 
Three, to grow as a person, travel to meet new people, and learn to adapt. And perhaps most importantly, number four, and this is me paraphrasing a bit as a therapist, acknowledge that much of what holds you back is inside your own mind. Take risks, recover from setbacks, and move forward. Be sure to look up Sabina on Instagram, Facebook, or LinkedIn to check in on her whereabouts. As always, you can find me at joyschwartz.com and Natalie at smalltownleadership.com. Please take a moment to rate us on iTunes. We appreciate your listenership and your feedback. Thanks for joining us, and be sure to check out future podcasts of The Collective Voice on iTunes. This is Joy Schwartz and Natalie Siston with The The Collective Collective Voice. Voice.